Hill Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. join me in prayer. God who hears us, sees us, and knows us, help us to live in awareness of your everlasting gaze upon our lives. Amen. And please be seated. It is good to be with you. I've missed seeing you the last couple Sundays. I realize when I'm gone how much this space means to me, space for us to sit together, to breathe together, to sing together, to ponder sacred ideas together. It's so good, and uh, I don't take it for granted. So thank you for being here and for being a part of this community. As Ben introduced last week, we're in a new Advent sermon series titled Making Space for Christ which intends to help us open ourselves up more and more for the spirit of Jesus in our lives. Last week, Ben shared about the practice of rest, and this morning we'll consider the practice of prayer, which if you grew up in the church, in particular evangelicalism, and maybe you've done some deconstructing and reconstructing, and perhaps that's why you found yourself at Pearl, you may find yourself wondering, what exactly is prayer? Right? What am I supposed to do with prayer? And so we're going to explore the idea a bit this morning. In this morning's gospel reading from Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about prayer and he says, your father knows what you need before you ask. Isn't that astonishing? When I think of prayer, I often think that it's important because perhaps God expects it. Like God expects me to pray. Or maybe prayer is important because God needs it. For some reason, God needs me to pray. Or perhaps I need to pray because God desires it. But according to Jesus, that doesn't seem to be the case, especially a whole bunch of words he seems to say is more about posturing than it is for God because, according to Jesus, God already knows what we need before we ask. Because God knows. Because God is infinite reality in whom we move and breathe and have our being. And so this makes me want to ask, why? Why prayer? I mean, if God already knows what we need, and as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, God knows all of the hairs on our head, which is to say that God intimately knows us, perhaps even better than we know ourselves, then why prayer? What's the point? But before even beginning to try and answer those questions, uh, I'd love for us to pause and bask in a reality, to bask in a reality in which we are known so deeply, so personally, so intimately by the one in whom we move and breathe and have our being. Like those thoughts that go through your mind, 
like those worries that keep you up at night, like those dreams that nobody else knows about because they're so tender that you feel like if you were to just whisper them, they might not come true. Infinite love knows about all of those things already. That is to say you're known, you're seen, you are held by God. And so why pray? Why pray? Well, how about this? We pray for ourselves. It's an interesting idea, and I'd like to say it again. We pray for ourselves. Well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. <laughs> that actually sounds kind of selfish. And that's certainly one way to look at it. But, but if God already knows what we need, and if God already knows us so intimately that every hair on our head is counted, and if that which the psalmist declared is true, that God formed our inward parts and knit us together in our mother's wombs, then it isn't very logical to think that we pray for God, is it? And so why pray? Well, perhaps we pray for ourselves. For prayer, you see, at a fundamental level, prayer is the human recognition that we are seen and heard and known by God, who is love. Here's another way to say it. Prayer is the embodiment of a reality in which we notice. It's the embodiment of a reality in which we notice that God sees us. Perhaps it's helpful to think about it this way. When we pray, when we tell God that we're mad or that we're sad or that we're worried or when we make requests to God by asking for X, Y, and Z, it's not as though in that moment God, the ground of our being, is suddenly made aware of something new or something unknown. I mean, if, it were that, if that were the case, then, then God isn't actually the ground of our being, right? But if God is the ground of our being, then in every moment... In every single moment of our lives, God knows us, and we are already in God. And so when we pray, we humans are embodying a reality in which we notice that God sees us. And this is super important for human flourishing, to be seen. Several years ago, a good friend of mine picked up uh, surfing. And he started to go surfing all of the time. And he just loved it so very, so very much. And he actually started to get pretty good at it. And one summer, he went on vacation with his aging parents. And he talked his dad into going out into the waves and sitting on a surfboard with him. He said, Dad, all you have to do is just get over those breakers. And you can just sit out here and float. And between the sets, we can just talk and have some time. And then I'll catch the waves and come back out to you. And his dad said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. So they spent a couple hours out there. And he was surfing. And then this massive wave came came and he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to take it and he caught it and he surfed it almost all the way to the shore and he said Mike I got off my surfboard and do you know what the very first thing that I did was I said what he said I looked back to see if my dad was watching I said Mike I'm a 40 year old man and I'm still looking back to see if my dad is watching in this particular story my friend's dad is like God always watching and prayer is us looking back to see and to notice, yes, God is aware. The divine sees us, and our lives are always held in God. <sighs> to be seen, 
to realize that our lives, our needs, our feelings aren't lived out in an autonomous vacuum, but rather we humans are seen and ultimately known by another, that is pure gift. And besides the warmth and gratitude that being seen rouses inside of us, research conducted by psychologist Dan Arley has found that humans who recognize that they are seen, humans who recognize that they are seen, results in higher levels of engagement and perseverance. To bear witness to being witnessed is a gift to humans. And the practice of prayer is the embodiment of this reality. It's a reality in which we notice that God sees the particularities of our lives. That's prayer. But you see, prayer isn't just about us. Has anyone noticed the meteoric rise of the word cringy? Anyone have kids? I have three teenagers. This word is used all of the time, cringy. That's cringy. As a middle-aged father, I'm realizing that I have a superpower, which is being cringy. <laughs> They'll say, Dad, that's cringy. They don't say it with, with total disgust. There's a little bit of joy in my cringiness. <laughs> but they say it all the time. A few months ago, Jen and I were reflecting on our many experiences of group prayer during our evangelical days, and we were basking in the cringiness. I believe that's an actual word among today's youth, which is probably a cringy thing to say. But seriously, so much cringiness. Does anybody remember that awkward confession that nobody saw coming? The prayer requests that read like wish lists for privileged people to get good parking spots at, you know, the grocery store. The moment in which a prayer is merely camouflage for that person who just wants to tell everyone what to think about how they're doing in life. So much cringiness. <laughs> and as we came to realize after we got past our cynicism, there's a lot of beauty in group prayer. I mean, outside of corporate prayer, when do we have the privilege of hearing confessions or desires or the undefiled perspective of another person? Like maybe, just maybe, we get to experience that in an intimate relationship. Like just really honest sharing. Or maybe, just maybe, there's that meal when a holy hush, we've, we've all had that moment where there's that holy hush that just blows over the table. And you can just sense that you're in the midst of a moment that is special. Because that which is being shared is so pure and true and honest and tender. Looked at warmly and humbly, corporate prayer is tender. It's honest and it's altogether holy. And here's an idea. Looked at through the lens of humans as image bearers of the divine. Similar to my friend's dad who was watching him surf. Through prayer, we humans have the privilege of seeing others holding others when they pray. And so perhaps our seeing, perhaps our seeing has some kind of divine agency in the midst of prayer. Like perhaps a warm and humble gaze upon a person who prays is able to transcend the ordinary to communicate the divine. You are seen by God. You are held by God. Just as I see you and hold you now in your prayer, so God sees and holds you in your very life. Like perhaps a warm and humble gaze upon a person who prays is able to transcend the ordinary to communicate, God is with you. I'm willing to admit that that may be too much to hope for 
But at the very least, through corporate prayer, the desires and longings and hurts of others are able to transform from personal, isolated, individual prayers into a corporate prayer. For example, on the second Sunday of each month here at Pearl, we have what we call prayers of the people, during which a person's prayer is read, and then the liturgy reads, Lord, in your mercy, and we all say, hear our prayer, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. No longer autonomous or individual or isolated or unspoken, a person's innermost thoughts have become a singular thought among us, spoken aloud and held by everyone. Now, I am no scientist, but the theory of quantum entanglement is a bizarre counterintuitive phenomenon that explains how two subatomic particles that have spent intimate time together can be linked to each other even when they get separated by billions of light years of space. Isn't that interesting? Despite their vast separation, a change induced in one somehow affects the other almost simultaneously, as if there's this kind of energy that can't be seen that holds everything together. Of course, no one can be sure, uh, can say for sure, but it's possible that corporate prayer has the potential to connect us in ways that we've yet to even understand as a human species. And I think that may be true. A prayer request at Pearl on July 10th. Work has been very stressful. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Prayer for strength and endurance and the right new people get hired soon. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. A prayer request at Pearl on August 9th. Provision of money for people who need it, for rent and food and health care. Move us where we have resources to help. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. One more. A prayer request at Pearl on November 14th. For our foster baby, that the courts would decide her case in a way that would be in her best interest. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now, this may not be quantum entanglement, but heard warmly and held humbly for a moment, right? Like just, just for a moment, that prayer isn't some other person's prayer. It, it truly is our prayer. It, it's a prayer that we hold inside of ourselves, an individual prayer held by us all. This morning's reading from the Hebrew Scriptures, Hannah is at the temple and she's weeping and she's longing and she's praying. And the text tells us that the priest Eli sees her. He hears her. And he declares to her, go in peace, the God of Israel, grant your petition. And the story concludes, then Hannah went home, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was no longer sad. Now, to be so clear, I'm not suggesting that we promise those who struggle to bear children that they're going to have a child. That's not what I'm encouraging. But to see those, to see those people among us who weep and long and pray, and as a community to hold those people inside of our own hearts, to carry them with us throughout our days, I believe with my whole heart there's potency deep, meaningful potency to that kind of life together. After Jesus says, the Father knows what you need before we ask, he goes on to say, pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, this has become what we all call the Lord's Prayer. And for some, the Lord's Prayer has become an outline 
right? So, so prayer moves like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So first, praise God. Next, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So second, ask for God's will to be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Third, ask for your own needs. Fourth, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven others. Ensure forgiveness is at work inside of you. And finally, fifth, do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Ask for escape from trial and temptation. Sometimes the Lord's prayer is condensed into an acronym. Maybe you've heard it, ACTS, A-C-T-S. Anybody hear the acronym? I know we're not big fans of acronyms at Pearl Church, but A, adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, S, supplication. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with this kind of prayer. It covers a whole bunch of important ideas that are related to we humans flourishing in this world. But having said that, Jesus' example here is merely one way of making the ideal of prayer concrete in our daily lives. Let us not forget that the Father already knows what we need and that prayer is for us. And so if the Lord's prayer covers that which is needing expression inside of you, then by all means, go for it. Use it. And if the acronym ACTS helps, by all means, use it. Prayer can take any form, any form. Like there's breath prayer, right? Breath prayer is where you just sit and all you do is notice that you breathe. <laughs> that's, really, that's really it. You notice your breath beginning all the way to its end and you notice your breath being taken in all the way to its end. In and out, in and out, we breathe. We notice that we breathe and we recognize that our breath is held and given to us by God. There's the rosary, which connects particular prayers to a physical string of knots or beads, which can be really helpful for people. There's this thing called morning pages. Anybody here of morning pages? I use morning pages almost every morning as my prayer. So morning pages is you just simply sit down and you just brain dump. Just brain dump. And I don't know about you, but my mind, I go from idea to idea so quickly, I find that just the, the task of writing, like writing out that one idea first in kind of this linear progression, and then I write out my next, and then I write out my next, and I write two or three pages every morning, and then I, I say to the divine, here, this is everything that is inside of me as I'm starting this day. And I have the awareness that God is holding all of that busy mindfulness inside of me. I mean, prayer could be a poem read or a song sung or a mantra chanted, anything, really anything. For truly, prayer is any form of meaning in which we recognize that our lives and our worries and our struggles and our hopes are seen and held by God. Today is the 4th of December, 2022. There are 21 days left until Christmas. Is everybody ready for it? <laughs> decorating, shopping, traveling, cooking, all the while maintaining our usual lives of work and family and friends and projects. There is so much to do, right? So much to do. So much, in fact, that this time of year can be a terribly stressful and intensely anxious time of life. A few weeks ago, NPR shared about how mindfulness-based stress reduction can work well, as well, this is really interesting, as well as some popular anxiety drugs. 
In the interview, the host stated that some of us have good coping mechanisms in place for stress, such as exercise, time with family, time away from family, but that the stress and anxiety that accumulates over a few days or weeks can be utterly debilitating for some people. And so the psychologist, Dr. Hoge, agreed agreed and said that anxiety is characterized by frequent and intense worry that can make it hard for people to concentrate, it hurts their sleep, and it makes them irritable. Because of this, Dr. Hoge conducted a study to try and find out if patients could get the same relief through meditation. Their research was published a few weeks ago in the Journal of American Medical Association, and the conclusion, the effect of treatments were pretty much the same between the drugs and the mindfulness practices. Isn't that so interesting? Now, to be clear, I'm not trying to pit Western medicine against Eastern medicine, nor am I trying to prescribe medical care about what we should all do in our anxious moments. Rather, I'm trying to express that we are in the thick of the holiday season, which can be overwhelming. And in the midst of what has become the season of Christmas, a very busy, frantic time of life, the church calendar continues to call this time of year Advent. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. And the season of Advent encourages us all to slow down. The season of Advent invites us to make space for the Spirit of Christ to be birthed once again into this world, into our, into our very own lives. Last week, Ben encouraged us to consider less doing and more resting, more quiet, more sleep, more space between things, a slower overall pace of life. And this morning, we've considered prayer as the embodiment of a reality in which we slow down enough. We slow down just enough to notice and to pay attention to this reality in which we live, which is one in which God sees us and holds us. With this in mind, we're not trying to say, do nothing. We're certainly not trying to say, bah humbug to the Christmas season. Rather, we're attempting to encourage restful, prayerful lives. Restful, prayerful lives that help to nurture our own flourishing in this world, in the midst of this fast-paced, frenzied season. May it be so, and let us pray. God, who hears us, sees us, and knows us, help us to live in awareness of your everlasting gaze upon our lives. And in the midst of all that is going on, I pray that you would help us to love ourselves, to slow down, to take a moment, to notice our breath, to pay attention to all that is spinning in our minds, and to offer everything, even that which we're thinking to you in recognition that you already know us so deeply. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.